Welcome to What Has My Attention, and this is John Beethan. And we're back again today with Audrey, Lisa, and Patty talking about how to pioneer in business. So what we're talking about today, I'll just kind of give you a heads up and some of the topics. Introductions, John's upcoming Business Story Anchor Workshop, facilitated by Patty. Stories create emotions, and emotions create memories. Thanks to Michael Roderick on that one. Patty's innovation, pioneering in business, and criticism is a gift. Self-trust, trusting others, Lisa on feedback in pioneering, worthiness, people-pleasing, Audrey on moving from a lone wolf mentality to a collaborative, trusted relationship, or relationships, actually. Patty on role models, our ingrained belief about ourselves, what sales is really about, and Audrey on enrollment, sales, and pioneering a path. Lisa on abuse, craving a community of women, belonging, loneliness is the number one reason for burnout. Audrey highlights some of the concepts we've been talking about today as a very pioneering way of being in business. Patty on marketing schemes, and the great results she gets when her communication aligns with her values. And as we wrap up, Audrey asks us to consider the impact we have on our communities. All right, here we are once again. And as usual, I'm extremely happy to have back Patty Block, Audrey Holst, and Lisa Pachentz. We're going to do intros all over again. So I will leave it up to whoever really wants to start to start. Who hasn't started yet? Audrey? Great. I think I think it's no, been you. Lisa, I think you haven't started. <laughs> it's been me? Yes. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. Uh, so my name is Lisa Vicence. I am a master certified coach and an executive life coach to underfulfilled, high achieving women with big ambitions and big burnout. And I help to bring together the elusive combination of fulfillment and success. I often work with the woman who comes to me and says, I've had all the success. I've gotten really far in life. I've just gotten promoted. And I really want to know what's next in my life. Can I have over can I have success without the accompanied overwhelm? And so I work with women to help to break our own glass ceilings, as we have uh, a lot of work to do around the glass ceilings in society. We don't need more on ourselves. So I work in combination of one-on-one -on -one clients, as well as group coaching, speaking, and a lot of other fun things like these podcasts. I also wanna work on uh, introducing myself with a fabulous story, like Audrey and Patty usually do. We are all works in progress. So Lisa Pachentz, Life on Purpose, it starts now. Audrey? I think you should go next, Patty. Oh. You're nominating me, huh? Voluntelling. I'm Patty Block. When I was growing up, my mom made these fabulous cookies. The whole house smelled good. Cookies were warm, gooey. And all my life, I watched my mom eat the broken cookies. But it wasn't until I was a teenager that I even thought to ask her, why do you only eat the broken cookies? Do they taste better? And she laughed and said, no, I eat the broken cookies so you can have the whole ones. And not too long ago, I saw a really shocking statistic. 62% of women rely on their business for their primary income. And 88% of those businesses make less than $100,000 a year. And all of a sudden, this image of my mom eating the broken cookies popped in my head. And I realized that over all the years that I've been working with women business owners, that it is so pervasive what I, the patterns, the habits that I have seen in undervaluing ourselves, underpricing our services, and then we end up over-delivering, what I call the double whammy. 
So it has become a very common dynamic. And I think for many service providers, not just women, but that became my mission to bring awareness to this topic and to help women learn how to price their services, sell their services, and run their companies on their own terms. There's only one left. It's me. Yeah, I, for some reason, it's funny. Every time I do my intro on this show, I always want to do things differently. So I am going to do things differently again. So I took off work on Wednesday to go climbing. So my partner and I left the city around 6 a.m. and we drove to New Hampshire and we spent the entire day. It was 70 degrees outside. There were only two cars in the parking lot when we got to the cliffs and we climbed on rocks and we hung out under the trees and it was and we swam in the rivers and it was just amazing it was amazing 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 it's filled my cup up to this level that i can't even describe and i'm just filled like every cell in my body is just filled with this feeling of satisfaction and joy and that is the that level of satisfaction is what i help clients finally get to because I work with people who are high achievers, they're people who are higher performers, they're people that have that are really, really good at grinding hard and are really, really good at pushing and are really, really good at hiding stress. And they have this embodied wiring that is like, I can't feel that satisfaction until. And a lot of them have gotten to that place where they thought until was gonna happen, until I've achieved a certain amount of success in my business, until the family's gotten to a certain age, until, and then they get to these places and they realize they actually don't know how to access that satisfaction. They don't know how to access that enjoyment. And when they do have it, they can only touch it for fleeting moments. They can't actually luxuriate in it because there's a lot of layers of guilt and conditioning and so many things that need to be worked through in order for them to actually access that. So I work with those people who have dealt with toxic perfectionism, who have dealt with pre-burnout and want that level of deep satisfaction that they can just marinate in like I am right now for days and days and days on end and have that be a normal part of their life, not something that they are chasing constantly for the future. And my name is Audrey Holst and I'm the founder of Fortitude and Flow. That is a wonderful way of introducing yourself, Audrey. Do that more. <laughs> you got it. So good. <laughs> so, Patty, we were talking before we got started. You had a question to ask me because uh, we did a little mini workshop together. We did. So we did a workshop to focus on business storytelling and in particular, your story. Mm. And you and I have worked a little bit around your messaging, um, the tagline of because you have something of value to say mm -hmm. it's true of all your guests and it's why you have them on and why you provide this platform well, so you. yeah so I really enjoyed the workshop it was I love doing that kind of work because it's so engaging and interactive and what we did is I sent you a couple questions before our workshop and asked you about what are you passionate about? What do you care about? What's important to you? And the goal of our workshop was to find an anchor concept. And an anchor is something that everyone understands. They know what it is. In my case, my anchor is the broken cookie. And everyone knows what a cookie is. And by the way, a biscuit is not a cookie. So... <laughs> For those of you across the pond, that's not a cookie. <laughs> but everyone... What about scones? I love scones. No, the broken scone effect. It's not a cookie. It's just not so, the same. But something that is accessible, and it's not that cookies are so meaningful to me. It's this pattern. It's that it involved my mom, who is a role model for me, and I started to realize that's what's happening with so many other women business owners. So figuring out what the anchor is for you, John, and then building a story and really crafting it so that you can use that for introductions, for speaking engagements, any place that you like. It can also be in written form. So that was the, the uh, quote, interview 
that yes. we did as the workshop. And so I was curious about your your impressions once we went through that process and if you've given that some more thought to think through what your anchor is. Yes. Um, the workshop was very meaningful for me and it continues to work on me. And I took your advice and transcribed it. 19 pages. I actually had to go get another Rima paper because I was out. <laughs> so the truth be told, I have set it aside for a period of time where I know I have more time to work on it. But I have to tell you, it's been incredibly valuable to know that I, my, I myself have a story. So it's like just turning everything around because you have something of value to say to ask myself the question, doing this workshop with you, to, to ask myself the question, what is it that I have to say and what informs me that I do? Mm. You know, and part of exactly. that has, yeah, part of that has to do really with, I've never met anybody that didn't have something to say. But the real question is, you know, how, for me, where did it all start? And I will, I will give people a teaser and it may leave people a little down. So one of you is going to have to bring everybody back I'm ready. Up. All right. So it goes like this is part of my story. And a big part of my story is that uh, my father was an accomplished musician that lost his hearing at the age of 40. Mm. And so conversations around the dinner table at six o'clock, um, he started to pull back and be less and less involved in the conversation. And he had he was a very creative person and he had so much to talk about, you know. I'm getting a little bit emotional about it, so please somebody save me. I'm not done with the story yet, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just love that you're talking about this because I think it really highlights the the theme that we wanted to touch on today was that how to pioneer in business. And I think that Patty has what she described in the beginning and some of the process she's taken you through is a big, huge mm -hmm. thing to put a big circle around is building on what works. Yes. Yeah, Patty, thank you very much. It was my pleasure, and it was fun. It was because fun. Because you had given us, you'd given me information to work with. So then I could come back to you and say, this is what I picked up. And I think one of the terms was humane technology. Yes. Correct? Yeah. And so that really it made me curious, and I wanted to ask you more about that. And anything, as you're crafting stories, and that's true of everyone in your audience, as you're crafting your stories, anything that raises curiosity is a good thing. It makes people want to learn more. And sometimes it can just be in the form of a question, or it can be a statistic, or it can be something that makes them want to learn more. And... I think one of the challenges we have when we're talking about our own personal stories, we have a lot of challenges around that, but one of them is that we think it needs to be very complicated, and it really needs to be super mm -hmm. simple. So that's where we, you and I started when we were talking about your story, is we started with what you're passionate about, which includes music. We talked about humane technology, and we talked about other concepts that you can bring into why you do what you do. Yeah. And, and that's what people are, are listening for. Yeah. Thank you. You just brought me back there again. Yeah, we will release that episode on whathasmyattention.com. Mm. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. I can't wait yeah. to hear it. Yeah, that sounds so great. I, uh, and I love the... No, oh, no, sorry. Lisa, go for it. You go ahead, Audrey. No, no, Lisa, go for it. Um, no, I'm, I'm really touched by, by you bringing your story, John, here. As uh, our, our friend Michael Roderick says, uh, uh, stories create emotions and emotions create memories. Mm -hmm. And I, I do a little bit of work with my clients, some of my clients who are coaches around like your business concept and niching, I'm 
by no means an expert and I always need to practice my own stories. I get tripped up in my stories as well, but uh, what I find so compelling about narrowing, narrowing down our business to, to an anchor concept, as you said, Patty, is that it connects us to our emotions and to why we're an entrepreneur. And it gets, it gets us re-enrolled in our concept. And I find that when I'm really enrolled in the concept that I'm speaking to, it's so easy to talk about it and, it, and my own speaking is much more persuasive. So I think finding that and coming from that place is is so wonderfully needed. And I'm, I'm just realizing like I need to I need to revise and revisit my own introduction because I don't I don't tend to use stories. I use labels. And it's really funny because I I, I don't I don't teach that and I don't coach to that. I, I coach to the heart, I coach to the story, I coach to the human. Um, so it's just it's interesting how we get caught in the own complexity of what we think we should do rather than what's actually meaningful and, and impactful. So thanks for bringing your story, John. It got me present to that. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It, the curiosity piece is so important. And it's, I think also when it comes to that concept of pioneering something in business, and pi- to me, pioneering is something that is, uh, I guess it's an interesting word. It makes me think of wandering off, not wandering out. Now I've got images of like Oregon Trail in my head, you know, like wandering off, (laughs) dysentery, uh, you know, crossing the rivers and losing the oxen. You know, that's probably going to date me. I don't know if anybody even knows about Oregon Trail. The computer game version? Yes, exactly. That was my favorite. I always broke a leg right. and got dysentery. And then you go, you go hunting for squirrels and they were so fast and you just prayed for a deer to be slow enough that you could like, you know, hit the button on. So, but uh, that that curiosity, I mean, that's the, uh, the pioneering requires so much presence. That's what I think I really want to come down to. When you, when you think of a, like a pioneering situation, how present do you have to be to your surroundings? How present do you have to be to what's needed and what are people up to and your relationships. That's one of the things too, that came up around curiosity because Patty, you said something that, you know, people get really hooked on complexity. And to me, I was thinking, oh yeah, we need to, we have this obsession with complexity and solutions and actually solutions can be very simple where the complexity is, is in relationships. And we want that. We try to oversimplify those. So it's the, the relationships are complicated. The solutions can be simple and, and being present is, is the, to me, the cornerstone of the pioneering, the solution finding, the curiosity, all of it is in that present moment, which I think also when we're talking about stories, that brings us to a very particular moment, right? It makes us present to a particular moment. Even if it's not here and now, it brings that back, that aliveness back to us so that we can be present with that with somebody else. So those are all the thoughts that were whirring through my head as, as we were going through this conversation or as, as I was listening to you. I'm curious if that brings anything up for anybody. Well, what comes up for me is that I actually want to hear a lot about this from Patty, given your story, given how much you've pioneered your path for, for women as a mother, as a business owner, for other women to charge what they're worth. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to hear that too. What, well, how do you see how do you see pioneering in business for yourself? I think there are two aspects to that. The pioneering for me is about innovation. So um, even when people are doubting, so I'll give you a, a great example. I decided to go completely virtual in my business in 2019, having no idea that everybody was going to go virtual. And at the time that I did that, there was a little bit of pushback from my clients, not a lot, and um, but switching my local clients over to virtual. I had to do that in steps. But I have two brothers who are very, uh, everyone in my family is very high achieving, very driven, and my two brothers are, um, we're all very close. And when I talked to each of them about how I was doing this and that I was expanding nationwide and I was building my company in specific target cities, 
So again, using a very innovative in, uh, business development strategy. And my brothers are both very supportive of me. One is older and one is younger. And we talk frequently and we're very close. Well, both of them independently told me all the reasons that that was a horrible idea. Oof. And why that wouldn't work and how business can only be conducted in person and that there needs to be this firm handshake kind of idea. And I don't discount that. I think that is a valid way of doing business, but it is not the only way. And what I said to my brothers independently was, don't be an old funny daddy. <laughs> you don't trust that I know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing. And this is a two-year strategy. And at the end of two years, let's talk again. And let's talk about this particular strategy. And I'm going to prove you wrong because I know differently. And I've already experienced that. I've already seen how powerful it can be. Then, of course, we have a global pandemic that comes along. And all of a sudden, everybody is having to go virtual. And my two brothers, who are very successful, were behind the eight ball because they didn't have all their technology set up. I think even to this day, they don't. And they're skeptical and they're not trusting of technology and of the ability to do business that way. So, and for me, it's been a godsend. It's been fabulous. And my business has thrived and I, I wouldn't do it any other way now. And I have developed business all across the country because I went virtual. I'm not flying back and forth anywhere. So I think uh, to your point about the pioneering, I think part of that is innovation and being able to carry through from a concept to a reality. So, and a lot of people really struggle with that, which is part of what I do in helping my clients. I help them get from concept, I help them develop the concept, and then I help them get to the reality. So that's a big part of it for me. The other part of pioneering for me is understanding your own strengths and weaknesses. And that is some, that's been a lifelong journey for me because I'm an introvert. I'm relatively quiet. I don't understand why people say things when somebody's already said it. To me, that just makes no sense. So I better watch those... myself then. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I know my strengths and weaknesses and I can lean into those or pull back from those as needed. And one of the things I'm going to I'm going to bring up here, but for years and years I had a lone wolf mentality. And part of that, I think, is because I was a lone parent and did not have financial, emotional, or logistical support in raising my children. So, and that all happened when I was in my early 30s. So I think that in many ways, I already was a lone wolf. And then I, I was in real life. It was just me. And I had to make life changes in order to take care of my kids. When I started this company in 2006, I again thought, well, I'm a lone wolf. I can move this forward. I'll put these strategies in place. And I'm really good about making things happen. So I did all those things. And probably the first 10 years I was in business, that was my focus. It's only been in the last six years that I have been more comfortable and more trusting to reach out to crowdsource my ideas, to test my messaging, to do market research, and to make sure that I'm clear that all the feedback I get is a gift. A hundred percent of the time, it's a gift. It is not a criticism. 
And I think earlier in my career, I thought it was or it could be. And I was super sensitive to that. So that's what I would say about pioneering. Understand your strengths and weaknesses. And in my case, building a community around myself, which, by the way, includes my my two brothers. And it includes my children now as adults. And I have a business coach. And I have people around me who are happy to give me feedback, but I have to ask the questions. And I have to reach out and ask for that. And I've gotten much better about Mm. that. So taking that weakness and creating a situation where I can be more comfortable. So that's really what I think about when we talk about pioneering in business. It occurs to me that that requires a tremendous amount of self-trust is the word that I that came up for me. I think that's true. I looked at it as trusting others. And of course, as with everyone, we've been burned. We've trusted someone that we shouldn't have. Or we trusted someone who let us down. And of course, That's a very common theme, especially for women. We don't want to let anyone down. And we don't want to lose, we don't want anyone to Mm. dislike us. Mm. Right? I want you to like me. I want you to love me. I want you to only say nice things about me. Well, that's not very realistic. But it also speaks to insecurity. And So to your point about self-trust, yeah. And I think some of that comes with age and experience, but it also comes with, and I cannot stress this enough, surrounding you yourself with people that you trust, they trust you, and they're not going to let you down. And you're not going to let them down. And that's what I mean about building that community around myself, a little bit of a buffer but also a group of people that I can go to in different circumstances and ask hard questions and know that I'm going to get an honest answer that is a gift. Yeah. Mm. There's so much delicious deliciousness in there, Patty. Um, I, I want to play on this idea of feedback within pioneering because I think it's so so important. I think that the idea of being a pioneer and paving paving a path and being a leader can be very seducing and very seductive to many people because it feed it can feed our ego. So I think if we're if we're thinking about being a leader from a place of insecurity, like needing attention, needing validation, needing to be heard, it it can be um, quite a negative experience because as leaders as pioneers we get a lot of feedback i think our job as as pioneers and as leaders is to make waves and is to be vocal and is to stand for something and so we will be generating feedback both positive and negative and so reinventing a relationship to feedback is so important when i was teaching in the coach training program that i graduated from that was one of my biggest breakthroughs i was so concerned with what other people thought of me that the people pleasing side of me was active almost all the time because i was insecure and i felt like i didn't have the the sense of community and the sense of security within that community that i needed in order to be able to receive the feedback from a welcome place instead of from a place of um, criticism and this is a you know a fault on my my character so i think that generating feedback intentionally as a as a leader and as a business person is so important uh, and of course we'll we'll get feedback anyways because of the waves that we're making but the thing that I see is most important, Patty, about the feedback that, that you were talking about is generating a group of people around us that we know um, is, how do I put this, is worthy of, uh, 
like worthy of the work, is worthy of my time, is worthy, like I'm worthy of their time. Brene Brown actually talks about this a lot in her book, Dare to Lead, where we don't want to concern ourselves with the people in the cheap sheet, uh, cheap seats in the audience, or even, even the people like, you know, in the stands who don't take to the arena and practice something courageous. We want to value the feedback and the opinion of people who are in our circle, who we trust, Audrey, to, to your point. But I think that has to be built intentionally. I certainly didn't build it until I'd say the last two or three years where now I, um, I, I got some pretty harsh feedback on a lead magnet a couple days ago from someone from LinkedIn that I had talked to maybe once before. And I, I got like maybe a brief twinge of like, oh, I suck. I, I suck so bad. <laughs> but then it was like, wow, how brave of her to give this like monologue of feedback on so many different things. And like all of the time that it took for her to write that out. And she's a busy entrepreneur and she decided that this was worth her time. Like that's really cool. And I decided that that's how I was going to take it. And it hasn't bothered me since. And it's been amazing, but I had to do that work to get to the place where people pleasing wasn't nearly as important as the gift of feedback. And I got to practice it within my, my circle of people. End TED Talk. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes to everything that's been said. There's so much, there's so much that my my brain and my system are, are chewing on right now. And I think the thing that is most on top is this concept of having, um, having that community. I think that when I think of pioneering, it seems very individualistic, but I think ultimately it can't be to, to be a sustainable pioneer. It cannot be a one person, one person endeavor. It's just not, it's not sustainable and it's also not uh, not a good idea for many reasons. Uh, it's important to have, I think, guardrails around ourselves and have people, like you said, these trusted advisors, mentors, friends, uh, family, people who have different opinions, actually. And, you know, if everybody you trust in your network is looking at you going, hmm, I don't know about this. That's worth taking into consideration, especially if you trust their opinion and you trust their perceptions. Um, and I, I think it is really important. This is something that that took me a long time is that if if you've if you've been in in a sort of lone wolf or individual path for a long time in your life and, and you're in this place in your business, that's the thing that feels safe right? This is the path that feels good. I've done it. My system is used to it. And actually it can feel very scary to surround ourselves with people, especially if we've been burned in the past, if we've had bad experiences. I have a experience of being bullied by people who are in my close contact in my past. So having a close circle is a very kind of scary thing for me in the beginning. And there's a lot of trust building that needs to happen. So there is this, so it's easy to look for, there's easy to have proof of insecurity or proof of distrust or proof of not belonging. All of these things are easy to find. So it is so important to have this slow wading into the warm water slowly and, and building those relationships and, and over time proving that people are trustworthy. I think it's important to do your due diligence when you're building a network is not just trust people's words and not just trust, you know, it, I, I mean, I do at this point in my life, I, there are people like if Patty is going to recommend somebody to me, I have an immediate level of a certain baseline of trust because I trust Patty. Same thing with Lisa, same thing with John, right? I have a certain baseline and I'm still going to do my due diligence of, is this person for me? Um, but it does take time. And I think that that's important when you are on a path to pioneering something to be really discerning about the people you surround yourself with and realize that it may be uncomfortable to do that and you may not want to do that. You may feel like you'd rather do it alone because it's easier, but that ultimately it's going to be worth the effort to get comfortable with being supported, to be comfortable asking for what you need and, um, and to be able to, to trust those, trust your relationships and trust others because uh, we want your pioneering to be sustainable, right? We want you to be 
building a new city off your path, right? We want you to just not be in, in that like little tent by yourself in the middle of the desert. We want there to be an oasis built around you, right? If you're going to be a pioneer, what's the point of pioneering and sitting in the desert by yourself? You want to have other people come with you. You want to build a road that people can follow. You want to have a community that people want to be a part of. And you just planting your flag in the desert by yourself is not it. So that's what I've got to say about that. What a visual. <laughs> That's a great visual. Yeah. I don't want to plant my flag in the desert alone anymore. Thanks, Audrey. <laughs> I'll come hang out, you know, in the desert with you. I'll bring some water. We'll, we'll start doing some, uh, what are the divining rods? We'll look for some water. We'll search for some, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can join. If, I, if I may say, that, that image is kind of like one of those songs that gets stuck in your head. <laughs> it's it's hitting on something, right? There's something there that it's 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 hitting. So clearly, clearly the visual works. Well, let me let me expound a little bit on the desert briefly. Is when I first moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico years ago, all I saw was brown desert, and then in July, August, the monsoons came, and I am I'm actually driving on 25, and there's a monsoon, and the monsoon goes away 20 minutes later, the rain, and all of a sudden the desert exploded in beauty. Mm. It was a gift. And it wasn't a single flower. There were thousands of cacti just all over the place. Just, hey, I'm beautiful. And then gone. It, it, anyway, that was the image that spawned from, from what you said. And that's the thing, Thank right? It's not much. just one random flower in the desert. It's a big group that are all together and they're all working together, right? Because if there's going to be more flowers, these flowers got to work together. There's got to be those animals. Everything is coming out at the same time. It actually just made me think too of this uh, this video I was just watching. It was a Feel Good Friday kind of video. And there was this little turtle who had got itself flipped upside down. And it was in the water and it was flipped upside down, belly up, and it was flailing around. It didn't know what to do. And there's uh, probably about 20 other turtles. And all those 20 turtles approached that turtle and they surrounded it and flipped it back right side up so it could swim and they just kind of went about their day like that's it that's that's the normal functioning of that and that's the ultimate destination of having that community that's like oh i see your belly up today that sucks can can i help you out because i want to because i want to and i think that's the other thing too is that people don't take the perspective i know for myself um i have i'm actually a book auntie for two people right now I have two friends that are writing books and I am a book auntie, which means that they send me drafts of things and I read it and I give them feedback and I hype them up and uh, in a very, very genuine way. Like these are people who, when I read their drafts of things, I literally cry when I leave them messages. Um, and to me, uh, they were like, I, I had another friend who was like, would you, would you take on another, would you be an auntie to another book? Because I know you have a book that you're an auntie to, but would you be another one? I said, absolutely. And she's like, she kind of jokingly was like, you know, what kind of payment do you want? Like chocolate, crystals. And I was like, listen, I get to receive your brilliance. I get to be the first one that's on the receiving end of your brilliance. And then I get to, and I get to be blessed with your knowledge. And then I get to hype you up and, and, and give you the feedback that can help you bring something to the world. Like the, the gift is creativity, right? That this gets to be out in the world. So I think that it's important for us to also understand as pioneers that it's actually pleasurable. It's actually a beautiful, enjoyable thing for people to see you succeed and to be able to be part of your journey and to help you out. Because I think that a lot of us have had the experience of feeling needy or burdensome or not wanting to be and I that's my my one of my struggles is not wanting to be needy not wanting to be the burden wanting to handle no I'm fine you know it, it is a gift to allow people into your life and to be able to help you out um and I think that that's important to keep keep in mind I think that's a great point this is Patty I um because I didn't see things that way for a long time. I, again, role models. All my female role models. We don't want to trouble you. We don't want to bother you. We don't want to upset anybody. And that took me really a long time to come to, I'm, I'm sharing my gifts. I'm helping others. I have 
only good intentions. I never intend to hurt anybody's feelings. It's not to say I might not hurt their feelings, but it's not my intent. And I can also recover mm -hmm. from that if I do hurt yes. someone's feelings or say something that is upsetting. So I really understand what you're saying about we have to get over or through this very ingrained belief about ourselves and that we are somehow a burden or others don't really value what we value. And that just isn't the case. There are lots and lots of people who value what you're bringing to the world. And that's the other huge stumbling block we come into when we are talking about mm -hmm. sales. Because people feel like they have to convince someone of something. And you really don't. And in fact, you really shouldn't. Absolutely. That's not what sales is about, especially for service companies and for people that are experts. It's not about convincing anyone of anything. And it is about bringing solutions and results and processes and ideas to those people. And then you see if they appreciate it, if they value it. And it's more like matchmaking. Yes. So I get that completely. Um, I think the trust issue is huge, both our self-trust and our trusting of others. A little bit of a spin on that is that I've had a difficult time trusting men. And the people I surrounded myself were women. And part of my journey has been learning to trust men. And it's not that the people in my life were not trustworthy. It's that that was my stuff, right? So it was testing. It was going back to ask mm -hmm. for things. And now in my community that I, where I do feel so supported, a majority of the people are men. And to me, that feels like a huge win because I was able to deal with my own fears and doubts, again, having nothing to do with the person that I was trusting. And the people around me don't let me down. And if at some point I feel let down, I can go and talk to them about it. Yep. Gosh, that's... Oh. Patty, I love hearing you talk. Me too. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you on a weekly basis just to just to listen to you. What you said about sales is pioneering a path. That sales is not persuasion, it's not convincing, and it's not agenda. I think that's revolutionary, and it was something that completely changed the game for me when I started my business. I. I would not have sustained my business had I not reinvented my relationship to what sales and, and generating clients looks like. I, I don't even relate to it as sales, I relate to it as enrollment. And enrollment to me is a partnership of, of equal value. Now we both value the thing that we're partnering around in equal, um, in equal facets, in equal amounts. And um, I, I could talk on and on about enrollment and sales, but I think what's, what's important is the sustainability of what we do in business. Our relationship to that thing that we do over and over again needs to be an empowered thing. It's so funny. Um, I, I was thinking about my own past, Patty, as you were talking about changing your relationship to men. I actually had to do that with women. Mm -hmm. So in growing up, I played, I played soccer at a, at a high level starting at a young age, at, at like around nine. I was traveling to practice twice a week, like it was an hour and a half drive one way. I mean, it was crazy for a middle schooler to, to be doing this. And um, I, I played soccer through college too and then got injured, but it was not an empowered experience. In fact, it was a really crappy experience the um, the coach there was quite abusive, um, verbally and physically, and it filtered down to the team. So the girls were 
incredibly toxic with each other because that's what they learned was correct. And middle school is already and toxic so, without an extra encouragement of that. Totally. <laughs> totally. Totally. Middle school girls awful, are mean, awful, man. And I was homeschooled mm. at that point in my life. So I was the weirdo. I was I was the one that was like, oh, look at Lisa and her funny clothes, and her hand-me-down stuff, and her books. So I love that, that part of me, actually. I, I love my inner nerd. But I had to do a ton of healing in my relationship to women because of that period of time. So much so that I actually swung to the other end of the of the pendulum and I crave community. I crave community of women because I've realized how powerful healing that part of me has been. And I feel like I've, I've created the belonging that I've always missed for myself. And one of the things that I think creates a sustainable business model and has me truly believing I'm gonna coach until the end of my days is this idea that I've been able to form a community of women. I've been able to give and receive feedback. I had to learn how to give feedback in a way that generates partnership instead of critique and judgment too. I think that's important too. But also I believe that um, loneliness is the number one reason for burnout and for the reason why most entrepreneurs don't, don't make it. We don't get the community. We don't do the healing that prevents us from um, working with others, from collaborating, from doing fun things like this podcast. I have to tell you ladies that five years ago, even just five years ago, I don't think I'd be able to do these podcasts with so much joy because I'd be intimidated and feel insecure by your brilliance. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do that. And this has been such a source of fun and energizingness for me. It's not a word, but yeah. it is now. Yeah. So I, I really think that doing our own healing work around partnership is so important in business sustainability. I think it's also important to talk about these things loudly and, and, and often so that we can open the doorway for other people to do their healing. I think that's pioneering too. I think taking a stand for something that has radically changed our own lives, like a relationship to sales, is also pioneering. I want to I want to just highlight to anybody listening some of the concepts that we've talked about because things like healing, things like community, things like collaboration. I think it is very I think it's very common that when you use a word like pioneering, people think about a tough person out there by themselves, you know, it, that it it can come across as a very um hardened type of courage. And I think that it's really worth highlighting a lot of the courageousness we are talking about is actually a softening courage, is actually a tender courage. It's actually a connective courage. We're not talking about dominating or competition, right? We're not talking about being the pioneer that climbs over everybody else to get to a finish line. We're not talking about um, exploitation. We're not talking about uh, uh, manipulation, right? These are, these are, it's completely the opposite of everything we've been talking about here. We've been talking about relationships, partnerships, sales in a way that is collaborative. And so I think that's really important to just highlight that we're talking, what we're talking about is actually a very pioneering way of thinking about being in business. I think that the way that all of us do business is, is perhaps a bit not, of the norm that people are used to in a business setting. And I think it's so amazing that we talk about it like it's normal because it's normal for us. This is so there may be people listening who are maybe having their minds blown just the way we're, the language we're using, the way we're talking about this. And I think it's really important that this is the sustainable way of the future. This is how you sustain a business with the relationships, with the community, not with manipulation, not with convincing, because a, a relationship built on convincing is not going to, it, that is not a foundation, right? That's not a bedrock that you can stand on. Um, so those little bits and pieces, giving back and forth, 
enthusiasm for each other's stuff. And Lisa, I totally agree with you. Um, even just two years ago, I there are certain even now there are certain circles I step into, and I have to remind myself that like you've got something to say here, and you can step into this room, and you can be in this room, and it's okay, and it's okay to feel intimidated. But the whole point is these are people that you really want to be, that you value and you want to be with them. So these are the people that can inspire you to a bigger, to a bigger greatness, right? To step into something that maybe you haven't experienced before. So I just love that this is the language you're using and normalizing. And that to me is, is pioneering. So I'm so grateful for this conversation. I am too. I have to. I have to say, Patty was going to say something, but let me just say, I realized in your summary, Audrey, and just building up to this moment that pioneering is not the same as exploration. Mm. So what the visuals I have of the early pioneers going west, they didn't do it alone, or at least that's what I think. But there were the Lewises and the Clarks that did exploration and pretty much maybe by themselves. But which I, it, it's like pioneering to me, obviously, is done with others. Mm. Mm. I think that's an excellent point. And this conversation has been a little surprising to me because I wasn't sure where it was going to go. It's one of the things I love about these conversations. I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And where it went is exactly what you just summed up, both you, John, and Audrey, of collaboration, of trusting others, trusting yourself, all of those internal things. And we often think of business as external. It's how we present ourselves in the marketplace. It's our branding. It's our messaging. And no dispersions on marketing companies. My daughter owns a marketing company. But I really do lay some of this at their doorstep because the marketing companies want to make sales. They have a particular way of making sales. And I bet all of us have been burned at one time or another by a marketing person or a marketing company. And I bet that's true of almost everybody in the audience. And the message that they put out is contrary to what we're talking about today. And it is about beating your competitors. It is about cutting through the noise, all the cliche terms that they use. And I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. And I've, my marketing is speaking it's speaking engagements, it's podcast interviews, it's live virtual engagements, which I love to do. I take a great deal of joy and I feel like I'm providing wonderful value. So that is the way I'm marketing. I have on several occasions tried to build a machine, quote unquote, a marketing machine. And it just makes me tired. It actually makes me a little nauseous. I and am I leaving money on the table? Am I leaving money on the table? Yeah, I probably am. And I don't Patty, care. not all money is good money. Because, Let's remind ourselves of that. Okay. Okay, that's fair. And I feel so strongly about and I, I know all of us do, about what is aligning with our values, what's important to us, what is not important to us. And I cannot put myself out there in the marketplace as a competitor. That's not who I am. I am a high achieving collaborator. And understanding that about myself, finding others who align with my thinking, that is what makes business joyful for me. So I have reached the point where I have stopped putting money into these marketing schemes. And I don't care what anyone says about social media. Th that is not how I generate business. And I use social media. It's a tool, like every other tool in my toolbox. But I'm not pouring any more money into it. And I, I have a marketing company that does 
it's an outsourced service, and I've used them for 10 years. And they make sure that my visibility is there, but I'm not going to build a machine, and I'm not going to present myself in the marketplace in that way because it's not authentic to who I am. And when I have the ability and the opportunity to speak to an audience or to a podcast group, that is, again, I feel like I'm sharing value. It's joyful for me. I enjoy doing it. And I get great results. So people do reach out to me, usually on LinkedIn. They'll connect with me. They'll go to my website. They'll contact me. I cannot tell you the kind of joy I feel. It feels like magic when that happens. So that is the other piece of pioneering, is figure out who you are and stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and figure out what works for you and then lean into that and put all your marbles into what is working for you. And try not to listen too much to all the gurus out there because every there are a million gurus and they're all saying different things. So it's confusing, it's frustrating, and it's incredibly expensive. <laughs> if you just took that money, if you took that money and invested it in what you know works for you, or develop your book, or whatever it is that works for you, invest that money differently, you will see much greater returns. And on top of that, that money is your profit. So you are spending your profit on all these marketing schemes, and it's not getting you the results you want in many, many cases. So why not take that profit out of your company for your own benefit? That's supposed to be the whole purpose of running a company. Yeah. Right? So, so in my view, that is also pioneering because you don't hear that. You don't hear people talking about figure out who you are, what's important to you, and then go do that. You hear 50 million different schemes of how you can quickly and easily get clients. And it's just not real. Spoken like a true pioneer. <laughs> Patty the pioneer. I, I, com I th That was a wonderful sum. And um, the two things that resonated most with me is that playing the long game is pioneering. Yes. Pioneering is not the short and easy. It's not the quick fix. It's, it's the harder thing to do, but it it's what pioneers paths for others. And it pioneers a path for you too. I feel like pioneering really is about my own enrollment and what I'm doing, regardless of what other people say, think, do, what the gurus say. And the other thing I want to emphasize, Patty, is that even if any of us are leaving money on the table by not doing these, you know, 50 steps to a machine sales funnel, <laughs> we're losing our sanity. Mm -hmm. I would much rather keep my sanity and keep what I love and lose a little bit of money in the process because I would have burnt out by doing things I don't want to do and makes me feel icky anyways. Yes, and I reached that conclusion, exactly as you described, that for years I kept trying to make things work that other people were advising me would work. And then I start to think, well, then there's something right. wrong with me, right? Everybody else says this works, but it doesn't work for me. And it was like waking up one day and realizing, are you kidding me? <laughs> I have trusted myself. And I have gotten great results for my clients, for my colleagues, for my family. Why all of a sudden do I think somebody knows better than me about my business? And that was, it was a moment where I realized I have to stop. I have to stop spending all this money and time, huge amounts of time, and lean into what works for me. And it's very liberating when you come to that conclusion. Right. Right. Yeah. I, um, 
I think we're we're near a wrap, but there was something I did want to want to touch on. It was just a, I think Patty, the word holistic came up for me when you were speaking. This sort of version of this is we're talking about pioneering that is holistic, pioneering that is sustainable. Um, I think the other thing that's worth considering is the impact of our pioneering on ourselves and on others. I think that was something actually when you said uh, Lewis and Clark, John, I was like Lewis and Clark would have gotten nowhere without the indigenous people that were already on the land before they got there. And huh, isn't that that's exactly isn't right. That funny that whose names are floating around there as if they were just magically able to make their way across this land with all by themselves and, uh, and, uh, and a well-known woman. Exactly. So, so I just wanted to put that out there as like, I think it is important to, what I would like to see more of is this sort of sharing in the credit, if you will, right? Like I, as much as I will say, like I do my work, my work, my work, my work is nothing without my community. Always, always, always when it comes to writing my book, when it comes to the work I do, when it comes to showing up, how many accountability partners have I had over the time? How many people who have I called have been like, nope, absolutely not. I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, nope, I'm going to hype you up. Right. So I, and I, and I think this, right, these things that we say make an assumption about the people who are listening and make an assumption about ourselves, right, our, our motivations and all that sort of stuff. But I think that is important to think about what is the impact of our pioneering? What is the impact on us? If we do this thing that is so in our vision of pioneering or blazing this new path, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for, the other, pe- for other people in our community, in the world? What is the impact of this as well? And just taking a moment to, to consider that because I think, it's, I think it's worthwhile. And I think that probably anybody listening to this show is maybe already considering these things, but it's worth, it's worth explicitly putting it on the table as well. So. I don't know about you guys. I don't really want to wrap, but I think we (laughs) kind of got to need to. Totally. But, you know, I, I have to say that you three are the reason I do what I do, period. Mm. Because you all have something of incredible value to say. I, I'm blown. I'm just like speechless. I really am. Thank you. John. Thank you. That's Thank you very generous. Yeah, very generous, very kind, as you always. You keep inviting us back. And it's amazing. Yeah, jokes on yeah. you. <laughs> and every time I have the same thought, John, thank you for providing this platform yeah. and inviting us back. And yeah, because these conversations are, um, I'm always amazed when I say something that I think is either simple or not that important. And Audrey, you and Lisa, you know, you'll pick up on one little thing and it creates a whole nother part of the conversation. And I just think that's amazing. And I think it also speaks to how in sync the three of us are in terms of how we interact mm-hmm. with people and the level of respect that we have for those around us. And that is exactly the kind of people I want in my world. Absolutely. Here, yeah. here. And let me say again, you validate me. <laughs> it's incredible. All day, every day, John. Happy to do so. I, thank you. Well, it's like, I don't want to be like you. I want to be like me. You know, it's, it's a whole different mindset. Yeah. So what's a custom? We are customary at the end of these. Uh, after we shut off the recording, we'll get some dates. But it is at this time that we talk about what we will do next time. And knock it around and everybody that's listening gets to be a part of it, sort of. They get to experience what it's like to uh, decide the next uh destination i guess but what, what are your thoughts i'm still stuck on the high achieving collaborator i love that, that. Said. yeah i really love that phrase high achieving okay. collaborator so can we do something with that yeah sure that could just be the new name of our our, our the high achieving collaborators, <laughs> collaborators. that's our band's name <laughs> Okay, perfect. Is it high achieving collaborator or the high achieving collaborator? Ooh. Because if you say the, you might have to prove it, which won't be hard for any of you. <laughs> we just have to show up. 
and yep. talk about stuff. <laughs> I think we need to talk about the high achieving con- collaborator because it feels like a, uh, a what's I can't figure out the word that I'm looking for right now, but a, a symbol that maybe people that seems like it's a collection of words that seem like they should not go together somehow. They seem like mutually yeah. exclusive, but that's not actually true. Mm-hmm. I I agree. Those yeah. two things oftentimes butt heads, high achieving mm-hmm. and collaboration. Mm-hmm. So being able to bring that together in one person and talk about what that looks like and what it looks like for us and how we got there, I think would be a wonderful thing to speak yeah. to. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Hmm. Okay, so next time it'll be the high achieving collaborator. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll end this in a second and uh, pick a date. But I do want to let everybody know they can feast on these conversations at whathasmyattention.com. <laughs> Anybody have I'm last sorry, words? Really Take us on a walk with you. You will feel so much better when you, when you come back. Love it. All right, mm. you guys, until next time. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You. So grateful Thank you. for y'all.